Pray with me. Speak a word, O Lord, for your people are listening, and you alone have the words of life. We ask all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I speak to you now in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, I grew up living with my mom. My mom was a single parent. And you know, many of you who are single parents, you know that that can be raising two boys can be really challenging. And so like many single parents do, my mom uh, moved in with her mom, my grandmother, to help out so that she can get some help uh, raising two twin boys uh, who were, uh, let's just say that she had her hands full uh, raising us. Uh, that's the polite way of saying it. Um, Yes, my mom moved in with her, her, her mom, and uh, that was really wonderful. Uh, some of my earliest memories of, of living with my grandmother uh, was, was making rolls, and I had these sweet memories, early childhood, of spending time uh, with my grandmother. Uh, but as you can imagine, it wasn't all flowery. Uh, moving in and having three generations in the same house, uh, there was a lot of conflict. Uh, there was a lot of conflict that went on there, uh, and uh, my grandmother... Uh, was a, was a pretty stern woman, uh, and uh, she said that there were, she had one rule uh, in the house, uh, there will be peace in this house. And she was uh, really big about enforcing that rule, uh, and she didn't care how she had to get her point across, there was going to be peace in her house. Sometimes uh, she had to use a belt to get that to happen, uh, to, so that me and my brother could understand just how serious it was. Other times, uh, my grandmother reasoned with us through tears. You see, my grandmother understood that she's got more days behind her than she does in front of her. And so while she's not uh, a, a rich person by any means, she was rich in love. And she, she really wanted us to understand uh, that, that unity above everything else is more important. If she's going to leave a legacy, she can't leave a legacy of money and wealth, so she wanted to leave a legacy of, of love. And how can she leave a legacy of love if her kids, her grandchildren, are fighting? And so, uh, growing up, as she got older, we got to see this kind of thing kind of fleshed out a little bit. Uh, instead of wanting uh, money or to go to a certain restaurant or different things like that for her birthday, uh, she really just wanted to spend time with her family. That was what was important to her, spending time with her family. And so she would have us all over for a fish fry or bring us over for Sunday dinner uh, every Sunday or invite us to the picnic so that she could be with her family, so she could check on her family. You see, the rule for peace in her house was a means in which she could keep her family together. The rule for peace in her house was a means in which she kept her family together. In we, a, way, a way in which she ensured that her legacy would live on. Paul is kind of like my grandmother. He's in that grandparent stage of his life, if you will. He's in a Roman prison and he understands that he's got more time, uh, he's got more days behind him than he does in front of him. And so he is all about legacy. He's about leaving a legacy. And so he begins to write to his, this church. He begins to write to the church, his family, his spiritual sons and daughters and grandchildren. Uh, people argue whether he actually had a family. We know by his rank uh, in the Jewish sect that he uh, certainly was expected to marry. But we don't know whether he had kids and scholars speculate. But we do know that Paul had many spiritual children. He had many spiritual children, and from this prison he wrote many letters because he wanted to ensure uh, that these children would be set up when he left. He wanted to make sure that they were well off, that they were united, that they had peace 
among them. So he writes to the church in Ephesus. He writes to the church in Ephesus, and it's this really beautiful letter. Uh, uh, Father Joe, last Sunday, kind of unpacked the first chapter, but if you haven't read it, I invite you to go home and read it. It is an absolute wonderful letter. It is theologically deep. It is simplistic at the same time. It is complex and beautiful at the same time. It is wonderful. It is, it is absolutely wonderful. In the Greek, though, it is pretty messy. It's pretty messy. If you read it, they are large sections of the scripture that seem just one big long sentence. Now, Paul isn't doing this because he's uneducated. We know that he is educated. Why is he doing this? Because he is impassioned. And so he adds adjective upon adjective. Uh, and as my wife would say, adds all these comma splices. And it's just this one big long sentence, not because he's uneducated, but because he's impassioned. He wants you to understand that everything he is saying is connected. It's all one big thought. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and they've got some trouble. You see, these are a bunch of Gentiles, and they have just been brought into the faith because of the death of Jesus Christ. And he is trying to get them to understand what that meant. You see, Christ had a plan. Christ's plan was to save the entire world. Not just the Jews who were part of the original promised people of God, those who were this Abraham's descendants, but, the, but now the plan has gone above, the, above and beyond the, Gentile, or the Jews and extended to the Gentiles. It has gone out to the Gentiles as well, and Paul wants them to know their rights. Paul wants them to know that not only are they, uh, that it was God's plan to save the world, but it's also that everyone uh, who names the name of Christ are also heirs to the promises of God, not just the Jews who marked themselves in their bodies and bound the, the scriptures on their hands and did all these outward signs, but everyone was a part of the promised people of God. And we know that, Paul says, because we have received the Holy Spirit. We know that we are sons and daughters of God because we have received the Spirit of God by which we cry, Abba, Father. If you go with me uh, in your Bibles or in your bulletins to, uh, to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning uh, at verse 11. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Paul is, is writing this, again, is writing this letter to uh, the Gentiles. Uh, like any good mediator, uh, Paul splits up the arguing children. And he, he, he sets one of them off aside and he starts talking to one and reasons with one and then goes reasons with the other. This is his reasoning uh, to the Gentiles. He says in verse 11, Therefore remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by human hands. What is he talking about? He is saying, hey, I understand the Jews have been calling you some pretty nasty stuff, namely which they've been calling you uncircumcised because you weren't originally a part of the promises of God. And while that thing hurts, I want you to understand uh, it's true and then it's not true. It is true that originally you weren't a part of the promises of God, and so they do have a point. But I'm writing this letter to you so that you know that indeed you do have access. And we'll unpack that here in, in just a little bit. Verse number 12, he says, Remember that at a time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant promises, having no hope without God in the world. You see, for the Jews, salvation was possible, but it wasn't easy. 
They had all these laws and all these rules that they had to keep. And, 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 and if they broke those rules, which we know they do, if you read the Old Testament for any length of time, you know that these, these children of Israel are always messing up. They're always they're struggling to get it right. And God is always reminding them who he is and the promise and all of these things. But the Gentiles uh, struggled as well because on their best day, they couldn't get to God. Christ Jesus, by the work on the cross, filled in the gap, filled in the chasm, if it were, so they could come to Christ, to come to God, the Father, on dry land. Uh, verse number 13, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you, who were once afar off, has, have been brought near to God, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's saying because of the work on the cross, because of Christ's finishing work, you now have access to God. Colic in the prayer book says it is on the hardwood of the cross that Christ opened his arms and stretched out his arms and embraced the whole world. So now, whether you're Jewish or you're a Gentile, a Gentile is someone who is not Jewish. So everyone else, that includes me and you, whether you're Jewish and you're part of the, regular, the, the original uh, people of God or you're a Gentile, all of us have access to God the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. His blood makes all the difference. Verse number 14, for he is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in the ordinances. Jesus, Paul says Jesus Christ is the reason you don't need to fight anymore. You can have peace, Paul says, with the Jewish, with your Jewish brothers and sisters, because Christ in his flesh, broke down the dividing wall. There's now no distinction in Christ between Jew and Gentile. They are all the same. They are all the same. He carries in his flesh the dividing wall. He broke it down. He broke it down. And, and the scriptures say, abolishing the law, the need for the laws and the ordinances. So Jews, you are struggling to keep the commandments of God. You struggle to do that. Hey, you don't have to struggle anymore. Christ died for that. And now where there is a law, there were a, the, the law uh, and the covenants and the commandments, now there's a new law of grace written in the flesh of Jesus Christ. His wounds won for us such a great and wonderful salvation, but brought us peace. He continues in verse, in verse uh, 15 here. Why did he do that? He said, so that he might create for himself a new man in place of two, so that making peace, and making peace might that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, whereby he killed hostility. No more distinction. No more Jew. No more Greek. One race now. Blood washed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. How did that happen? Through the work of the cross. Now there's no more need for hostility. There's no need to be angry with your brother. There's no need for the Jewish folks to be prideful because they were the original chosen people of God. And there is no need for the Gentiles who were cut off from the promises of God to be depressed. Both in Christ can joy. Both in Christ can have peace and be happy. Verse, uh, verse 17. And he, came preaching, and he came and preached peace 
to you who were far off in peace to those who were near. You see, for the Jews, the cross meant that there was no more struggling to keep the law. And for the Gentiles, it meant that they could come to God, that they had access to the Father. Verse number 18. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so that, when, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is being joined together. He said, Jesus Christ is the person who the prophets proclaim. If you read the Old Testament, the prophets are talking about a man who is going to come and redeem and save the world. Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, Jesus Christ is that man. You can trust him. And not only is he that man, but he's the guy I've been preaching on. I've been talking to you about. He's the reason I'm an apostle. He, is, he saved me. He changed my life. Jesus Christ is the reason why both of us can be happy. The reason we have peace with each other and the reason why there is no need for hostility. He says this. Why? Why? What are we to do with all this knowledge? He wants us to grow into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, verse 22 says, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He says, because we are one people, we are now living temples. Christ died to make us all holy, to make us all holy, to get rid of this sin problem. We struggled, and by his death, he put death to death and gave us all access. But having access to God isn't enough. This is what Father Joe was talking about last Sunday. He doesn't want us to live beneath our privilege. There is one thing to know uh, about God, and there is another thing to know who he is. There is one thing to know uh, facts about the Bible and maybe have read it. There's a whole other thing to experience it. And he wants us to get into our faith and to experience it and to become holy people. He wants us to get inside of our faith so that our faith could change us from the inside out. So that we would indeed become holy people. And where Christ reconciled the world by his cross, he invites us to join him in the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling the world to him. Reconciling the world to himself. What are you saying? It's our job as Christians to be a bridge so that people could see in us the hope of glory and want to give their lives to Christ. That's our job. We are to partner with Christ in the ministry of reconciliation. First, in order to do that, we need to get ourselves right, right? The Jews had a, had a problem. They were really prideful. They were the original people. But I see a same problem in the church today. If we... We can get so comfortable we can, that we go to church and that we are saved and all these things that we could carry the same spirit the Jews carry, this prideful spirit, if we're not careful. We can think that we are so important that God saved us and we can forget that there are others who are also entitled to the promises of God. We can forget that we were once Gentiles and we can neglect the world out there that doesn't know God. Paul says that shouldn't be. And it's his job in verse 22. I'm going to read it again. 
but in him you also. He's not only talking to the Ephesian, the, the, the church at Ephesus, he's also talking to us right here. So that you also, being built together, this is in Christ, in a, uh, built together in Christ, are become a dwelling place for God. The Jews had to go to the synagogue and worship in the temple and all of these different things. He's saying, there's no more of that. We're all living epistles read by all men, and people will read the way you you live your life and know whether you belong to Christ or not. The temple is nice, but you are the temple. Coming to church, the building is great, but don't forget that you are the temple. That we now, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus Christ on the inside of us, and we cry holy. We carry the presence of Jesus Christ. When we take the Eucharist, and we, which has the presence of Christ in it, when we take it, we embody the presence of Christ. He's saying, remember that. And so when you go into the world, out of effect, the way you change, the way you treat, excuse me, your brother and your sister. That means it's, it's our job to work towards breaking down dividing walls. Eliminating class. Scriptures say there is no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no slave, there's no free, but all are one in Christ. We're to be reconciled with our first, our, ourselves first, which means we need a reality check. That we need to search our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit and find those things and those areas in our lives in which we have prejudice. In which we judge. In which we shut people off from, because of our experiences or whatever. We, we think that people aren't worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are better than them for some reason because we go to Holy Trinity Anglican Church or because we've been saved for so long or because we've given so much money to the church or whatever, fill in the blank. Paul says, get rid of that. That doesn't matter. That does not matter. Be reconciled in yourself. And then, be reconciled to the world. Because you've gotten over yourself, Paul says, now you can effectively represent Christ. One of my favorite scriptures is, let your light therefore shine before all men, that all men would see your, see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How do you do that? You get over yourself so that you can love everybody and that you can see Christ in everybody and that you really believe in your heart of hearts that everyone is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ died for everyone. And if Christ died for everyone, it's our job to be witnesses. And as witnesses, we share the love of Christ with everyone else. We make sure that they don't live beneath their privilege. That they know that they have access to God. We share the gospel. You say, maybe I'm, I, I'm not a preacher. I, I can't preach. I'm afraid of public speaking. That's okay. Paul is talking about doing this by the way you live your life. By the way you live your life. Remember... We are all living, living epistles read by all men. When you, when, when someone were to, if someone were to open your life like a book and they were to read the story of your life, would they read a story full of self or a story full of God's love? Paul says, we were once caught off from, from God and Christ engrafted us, made us heirs, adopted us into the family of God and now we are citizens. It's our job to tell everyone else about that. It's our job to extend peace and to tear down the dividing walls in our hearts because there is no dividing wall in the spirit. 
And it's our job to go out and bring his, make his kingdom come, to participate in the ministry of reconciliation and the mission of God, seeking and saving the lost. It's our job to share our lives, to share our hearts with those who do not know him, so that they, that all may come into the reach of his saving embrace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.